Praise the Lord, it's chat time. Praise, praise the, the Lord. Lord. It's chat time again. Yes, praise the Lord. It is chat time once again. Now, this week, we're going to continue discussing current events as well as scriptures. Praise the Lord. So this week, I want to talk about some scriptures. And uh, I was reading in Matthew chapter 18, verse 22, and it, was, it talks about how um, you should forgive um, 70 times 7. That's Matthew 18, verse 22. Mm-hmm. Matthew 18, verse 22 reads, Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto, ye, unto thee until seven times, but until 70 times 7. So, you know, you go 70 times 7, that's 490 times. So, so if someone hurts me or, you know, that's 490 times. So does that mean I only go 490 times and then that's it? Yeah, who's counting? That's what I would like to know. I mean, <laughs> I don't know because I, I got the thought that, you know, it says 70 times 7. Right, but, it, it, but when they talk about the number 7, and the number 10, you know, 70 uh, is a multiple of seven times, you know, 10. That's a multiple. So it's saying 10 is a number of completion of cycle. And seven is perfection. So it's saying uh, it's like a continuous uh, forgiveness. So it means forever. Basically, yes, you're in, the, you're in the spirit of forgiveness. And now, you know what? Hard. A lot of people view forgiveness as meaning... What the person did, you excuse it. No, you, you don't excuse it. It's just that instead of administering judgment, you show mercy. But you don't excuse the fact that a person has sinned. When the Lord forgives our sins, he doesn't excuse our sins. He doesn't say, oh, it's okay that you sin. He says, you sin. You're a sinner. You know, you're worthy of death. But instead of giving us judgment, he gives us Mercy, He shows us grace. That's what forgiveness is. A lot of people will want a person to say, oh, that's okay. No, it's not okay. What you did isn't okay. But I'm not, I'm not going to try and stand in the seat of being the judge on this. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to defer and ask the Lord, and I'm going to show mercy, as I would have somebody show me mercy under these circumstances. And I'm going to ask the Lord to take care of it. But what your person did is not okay. To me, that, that would be kind of crazy. If a person has done something and they definitely did something wrong, to say, I forgive you, that's all right. No, I forgive you, and what you did is not all right. No, I know we talked about forgiveness before, but I guess I was thinking in terms of a specific number, you know, because that's what it says in Matthew 70 times seven it does it doesn't really spell but i don't have the understanding obviously it it doesn't spell it out like that means you just keep on doing it right just keep forgiving for as long as you live you just keep forgiving you be in the attitude of forgiveness if if it's your brother that has sinned against you and they come to you and if it's 70 times seven if they keep messing up but they keep 
but they repent and when they do it you recognize that they're trying they're picking themselves up again even if they if they've done it and you've forgiven them and then they mess up and then they come back and they mess up and they come but it doesn't make you stupid see this is what when it comes to forgiveness even if it's 490 times even you go even if you say well up to 490 times if he does it 491 times he's in trouble <laughs> okay but does this scripture mean one particular person that messes up and that you forgive them 70 times 7 or is that anybody that hurts you that you should forgive them 70 see i i'm trying to figure out is it an individual believe, that keeps messing up or is it anybody i believe that does does something to i believe you? it's among saints but any saint any brother or sister that hurts you in the lord then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times? You know, because seven is the number of perfection. They feel like, well, you know, I've gone my limit. You know, seven's a good number. And then Jesus, when he told him, he said, I say unto you until seven times, but until 70 times seven. So it's like a multiple to take the number 10, number of complete cycle, you know, times perfection. This is like if, if it's a, if a saint to saint, you know, we forgive people in, in the world. You can't have that spirit of, of, of holding a grudge, but he's saying when somebody actually comes to you, a saint comes to you and they're asking for forgiveness, they might be the type of person that constantly messes up and we we know people like that you know and sometimes you find that they're constantly doing things okay so what you're saying is that so uh brother joe comes and keeps messing up and and comes to you and asks for your forgiveness and you forgive him and mm -hmm. he comes and messes up and comes to you and you forgive him and, mm -hmm. and then sister sue does the same thing, and then ask for your forgiveness, and then you have to do it again, 70 times 7, 70 times Well, Well, well yeah, you, 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 can't, you, you can't. I mean, even... it's not like you're tied into Brother Joe. No, and, and, it's whatever saint. When they come and they've done something against you, you know that if they, if they ask as a saint, which means they have to be sincere. If they're coming to you as a saint, which means they can't be coming in the spirit of, of being deceiving. They're actually coming in the, in the spirit of truth, and they're coming as a saint, and they're asking for forgiveness. And at that particular moment, you forgive them. Just like if we do something and we're in error, and at that moment we recognize that was, I shouldn't have done that, was wrong. And we go to the Lord and ask for forgiveness, he forgives us. Yeah, I was thinking too, like how when David messed up with Bathsheba and how he did things and how, you know, the Lord forgave him after he came to him, to, you know, so many times for right. him messing up. So I think it's kind of like how we're supposed to do. We should probably like mirror and follow the example of the Lord because we have to remember at the time when we mess up so many right. times, you know, God didn't just, bam, I'm going to cut you off right there. Right. But God just gave us mercy. He's long-suffering, right. patient, slow to anger. So I think it's like we have to model that example because he set the standard of how, Christians and how how we supposed to treat each other as brothers and sisters that will reflect his word and his truth. Right. And here's the thing. There's still consequences to your actions. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of people think because a person's forgiven, you mean you're not going to require any consequences. 
for what they did. That's not true. So you might forgive a person and say they stole something. You might not turn them into to. I know, but that wouldn't be a a saint. It could be. A saint could have backslid. And now yeah. and now they come back to the Lord and they say, I, I, I stole your money. Please forgive me. And you say, I forgive you. You owe me a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> or you wouldn't place that person right. around money no more. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that you're telling the person, well, you can, you're just free to steal, I'll forgive you. Steal, I'll forgive you. No. That's not what the Lord is saying. There are consequences behind a person's action. And, and when the Lord forgave David, but there was consequences. His child died. You know, there are consequences, but the Lord didn't kill David because by Jewish law, he was supposed to be stoned and Bathsheba. Well, we wouldn't kill anybody. We, you know. we, we, but we can't. But according to the Jewish law, David should have died. Now, spiritually, when we mess up, we should die, and that should, that should be the end of it. But the Lord allows us grace. He allows us a chance to repent. He allows us a chance to be redeemed. So, because if we were in the same position, would we look for mercy? And if we would, then we have to show mercy. But you don't excuse what the person did as if it was, wasn't wrong, or you don't just brush it out of the way as if the person hadn't did, done something that doesn't result in consequences. But it, then it again, does. You, you don't hold a grudge either. No, you don't. You know, you don't hold a grudge. <laughs> you just basically tell the person, you know, they, they might have done something and they might have lost their job. And you say, well, you know, you might not ever get that position back. It doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them, but if they were in charge of the treasury, you might say, well, you, you can't be in charge of the treasury anymore. We have to find a different position for you. It doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them, but there are certain consequences that comes with their actions. And by a person being merciful, you could have said, you don't, you don't get to work, period. But, but mercy says, no, I, I can understand that, but you know, there are certain things that uh, as a result of a person doing something. And if a person is that weak, you might find yourself taking precautions. I know I would. So, in essence, it's like if you're saved, you're a saint, you practice, it, you have the fruit of the Spirit, long-suffering, mm -hmm. and you continue for as long as you live, as long as you're a saint, mm -hmm. until the Lord takes you, you forgive. Right, if they come to you as a saint. So, in other words, it's forever. Right, because the Lord's forgiveness for, for us is forever. But as a saint, and then you can could, you could see where a person is, as a saint is, is sincere. And you're praying that the Lord would strengthen the individual. But you can also put what the Lord is saying. You know, if you put yourself in that position where a person offends 490 times, and they come to you 490 times, and they're sincere in asking for your forgiveness, then you have to sincerely forgive them. You know, but you but, don't stop at 490 times. Right. But, this, but that's what the Lord was telling If it's like 640 it's or 1,200. A complete cycle. But who will put themselves in that position? See, that's, that's I'm the just, whole, I'm just as an example. I right. See, that's the, what the Lord is telling me. Now, if you're going to do that, then it's 70 times then. Yeah. It's like somewhere along the line, you know, you should wake up to the person's weakness. Because if you, if you see a person has a, a, a weakness or a propensity to do something and it, they sabotage themselves, 
you should know that and you shouldn't keep putting yourself in a position where the person sabotages themselves and ends up sinning against you. See, that, that wouldn't be wisdom. He said, but if you do it, if you're not going to use So wisdom, what are you saying, that you should keep your distance? It, and you might have to keep your distance for some things. You might, you know, because if the person is, is, is a type, if whatever it is that you're doing causes that person to sin against you, you might have to say, well, I have to put a limitation on this because, you know, they're going to mess up. a limitation up. not because you... Haven't forgiven them, but you don't want you them to... You won't forgive them. Not because you won't forgive them. In the future. Them. Right. No, you will forgive them if they do it, but... But why put the person and yourself in a position where you know they're going to end up messing up and you're going to end up having to forgive them when you can avoid it altogether to begin with? That's why I believe the Lord said, if, if, but that was the enemy. If the enemy strike you on one cheek, then you give them the other. It's not a, a saint. But it's almost like saying there comes a, a time when you should recognize what is about to happen and then you should take precaution. Yeah, when it comes to a saint. Okay, so I have another question here. I was, I was reading it several times in the Bible, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's talking about uh, the first one is about uh, Matthew sixteen twenty four that says, "Then Jesus, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me." And then in Mark 8:34 it says, And when he called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And then it's again in Luke 9:23 that says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. And I was thinking about that, and I, I heard a little story um, about someone who didn't like, there was a young man who was going through something, and he was at the end of his rope, and, and he couldn't see any way out of his problem. And what he did is he got on his knees, and he started to pray, and he said, Lord, I can't go on. I just have too heavy of a cross to bear. And the Lord told him, my son, if you can't bear its weight, just place your cross inside this room, then open that other door and pick out a cross, any cross that you wish. And the man was filled with relief. He was, oh, good. And he said, thank you, Lord. And he did what the Lord told him to do. And when he got into the other room, he saw many crosses. Some were so large, he couldn't even see the top of the cross. And then he spotted a tiny cross leaning against a far wall. And then he said, I'd like that one, Lord. And he whispered to the Lord. And the Lord replied, well, my son, that is the cross you just brought in. <laughs> when... <laughs> That's the cross you just brought in. So in other words, when life's problems are overwhelming and you feel like you just can't take it anymore, you, it helps to look around at what other people are coping with. Do you think that's what the cross means? I, I've never really hmm? 
So you think the so cross represents problems? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a that's the story that came that right. I read right. when I was thinking about this. But uh, what I was thinking, I see the cross doesn't always mean. Uh, I mean, it could mean a burden. It could be a sickness. It could be anything. It could be uh, something that you're going through. But I don't I, I, know. I, I'm thinking the cross has to do with the suffering of the Lord. You take up that cause that causes you to glorify God. You deny yourself. And so you take up that responsibility that causes you to glorify the Lord and to stand fast in, in, the, in the liberty so that you overcome the enemy by the, uh, your testimony and the, the, the blood of the Lamb. It's like your cross is your stand in Christ. You deny yourself. So I was doing some research on that because I wanted to know, does it mean your problems? Does it mean... What does it mean? What does it represent? And, and in this one article, it says that it represents fulfilled prophecy. Mm -hmm. It represents that God revealed his plan to defeat Satan and give us salvation through Jesus. And I think it's your stand it was in, in Genesis 3.15. Right. Um, so I guess the cross represents his suffering and and death and you and had to be willing to shameful death right. brutal death that he had to endure it was all his suffering right and you had to be willing to partake of the same cup you had to be willing you know once you make that stand and at the same time i guess it, it represents um the incredible gift that he gave us salvation right you know but um I always thought that, until I started to research it, I always thought that it was like your cross could be a financial burden, or it could be an illness, or it could be... See, I think of those as trials. Yeah. But, but your cross... I mean, because in this article it says, what does the cross represent to you? And then, and then it says, well, yeah, it might be a physical illness, a misfortune, a hardship in your life. Uh, um, but that's not exactly what it means. It means that you stand up for the Lord. Right. You stand up no matter what. Right. So when we were talking last week about, you know, people saying that they're a Christian, you don't, you don't, you're not on the fence. Right. Wavering, you know, like that. Like you don't understand what it means to be Christ-like or what it means to stand on the word, to abide in truth. Because the very first thing, even when he tells us to think on these things, when he tells us uh, to put on the whole armor of God, the very first thing in both of those is truth. You have to recognize what is true. So when Jesus was talking to the disciples about his impending death and resurrection, and who was it, Peter, that jumped up and said, no, no. <laughs> You know, uh, that's never going to happen to you, no. And he rebuked him. And the Lord rebuked him. Peter meant, well, that's what I'm he saying. just you didn't have a good understanding. You can deceive yourself when you go in your own way. Because he's saving the things of men. But, but you know what? I think about Peter loved the Lord. Peter, And he didn't want that to happen to him. Yeah, but his, but his, was, I think, was more out of fear than but he didn't, he didn't. But he didn't really, I guess, understand the purpose 
what Jesus had, the purpose of what Jesus yeah, had to go but he's, through. But see, the thing about it was that Peter's concern was more about, I believe, the effect it would have on them and how they would appear in the eyes of the people. Because Peter didn't say that out of love. He said it, I believe, out of fear because he rebuked the Lord. And the Lord looked at him like, who are you talking to? <laughs> it's like, who are you to rebuke me? Yeah, who are you? He said, you savor. He, he told, get behind me, Satan. He, he savored those things that were of men. Right at that moment, Peter was in his flesh. Fear was taking over. And what people would, would think of him, what they would, because if they do it to the green tree, what in the world would they do to the dry? He was thinking of his own safety, and, and the Lord was telling him, nope. So I guess that in Matthew chapter 16, I only read verse 24, but before that, that's what was happening, mm -hmm. uh, where Jesus was talking to the disciples about what was going to happen to him, and mm -hmm. then Peter got, you mm. know, right. Uh, uh, <laughs> he got into his flesh and he rebuked the Lord because he, he was thinking about those things that pertain to the flesh. And then the Lord, and then that's when the Lord came in and said, if anyone would come after me, he has to deny himself right. and take up his cross and follow me. Right, meaning that he has to be willing to lay down his life for me. You're going to have to lay down your life for me. You're going to have to forsake everything and give your all, everything to me, no matter what comes your way. And that's how we have to do it. We don't we don't just incorporate religion, the Lord, into our lives, sort of fold them in. God is our life. So basically what it is, is the fact that you serve the Lord. You're going to put yourself in a position to be ridiculed or persecuted. Or persecuted. And, and that is your cross. Right. Not your illness, not your burden, not right. your financial situation, not the fact that you lost a job. Right. Not, it's the fact that you take a stand. Right. You I say, I believe in Jesus. Right. I, I believe that he died and rose from the dead. And that he and saved that he me. came to save the souls. He, he saved me. Right. And I'm not going to turn my back on him. That's right. I'm not going to let nobody turn me around right. or separate and, me from the love of the Lord. Right. And that means that if you're made fun of mm -hmm. or you're persecuted or, or shunned, right, or shunned, because people do that. Right. Oh, gee, that's a holy roller. Leave her alone. Right. <laughs> that, right. Or and you say, um, Lord, I'm going to stand fast in the liberty whereby you made me free. Or people laugh at you yeah. sometimes. Or they say, oh, they're so... Um, but you know the truth. See, they, they don't know the truth. I mean, just think of the people who were looking at the, uh, God in the flesh. Just think of the people who were looking at their deliverance and didn't even know it. Well, I don't, I don't, I'm going to have to stop here. And, but I want to pick up next week with how I think the disciples must have felt after he said that. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like maybe... They were a little shocked. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know he was telling them, um, if you want to follow after me, it's going to cost you something. Right. You've got to right. be willing and to I pay the cost. Maybe right. they didn't think of that before. Mm -hmm. I right. don't know. But anyway, we'll start um, there next week. Yes, praise the Lord and let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Today's verse of the day comes from Matthew 21 and 21. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, 
if ye have faith and doubt not, ye shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. Now, ain't God all right? God is all right. Praise the Lord. Last week's food for thought was, when you see a cloud rise out of the west, and when you see a, or you see a south wind blow, what can you expect? And the answer is a shower and heat. And that answer can be found in Luke chapter 12, verses 54 to 55. And it reads, And he said also to the people, When you see a cloud rise out of the west, straightway you say, There cometh a shower, and so it is. And when you see the south wind blow, you say, There will be heat, and it cometh to pass. This week's food for thought is, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Hint, the Bible. And that's food for thought.